It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Welcome to episode number seven of the Ted Huff Show. Get ready to be disrupted. We have Anthony Delgado, CEO and founder of Disrupt, a technology company focused on creating a digital economy for the three million residents of Puerto Rico. He discusses today on how he got into technology, how he manages his day-to-day as a tech startup founder, and really what drove him to starting Disrupt for Puerto Rico. Thank you for joining us today uh, on the Ted Hub Show. Uh, I wanted to get everybody started, kind of help them understand who Anthony is. How did Anthony end up where he's at today? And let's just kind of start with what, what is your key focus right now? And let's figure out how did you get there? Definitely. So uh, first and foremost, my name is Anthony Delgado. I've been a serial entrepreneur and software engineer for the last 10 years. Um, digital marketing is really just in my DNA. And I say that not only because it's like a cool buzz phrase, but, uh, (laughs) my mother was a computer programmer. So like in the eighties before the internet, she was, uh, programming computers. Um, I had my first computer when I was in second grade, like my first computer in my room that was a hundred percent mine that I didn't have to share with anyone else. Um, and yeah, I really grew up like a child of the internet, um, from like Excite and Dial-Up and CompuServe and AOL and um, and all of that really fun uh, first-time internet like renaissance or or really the birth of the dot-com. Um, you know, I lived it. I lived through it. Uh, like I said, in the second grade, the third grade, uh, I think I made my first website in the third grade and like Geosites and there was another things similar to geo sites called homestead um you know in middle school i was like hacking into computers and kind of like white hat gray hat stuff like i would hack in i really wouldn't do anything bad but kind of like penetration testing and stuff like that um so i always grew up around computers simple simple uh as that and then went into high school started like hanging out partying i was on the football team and uh, I was still using computers, uh, still getting in a little bit of trouble with computers. But, um, you know, I didn't I didn't see it as a way to have a career. Oh, right. Okay. I just saw it as like a hobby. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I have this skill, this hobby. I like playing with computers. Um, but it wasn't <laughs> like a like a career, um, if you can imagine. Right. So, so, um, how, so how do you go from it being a hobby over to winning a hackathon and then now moving into what you're doing in Puerto Rico. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I actually just shared a a post today and it said, uh, nine years ago and it was a news article that had came out. Google friend connect is now available in 40 countries. And if you look at the comment that I left, it was like, Google will never be successful in social networking so it just shows that you know they've only tried how years, many times I say, <laughs> google's tried how many I, times now? like buy, six or seven they should just buy twitter and call it a day <laughs> um 
But uh, it might help Twitter yeah, stock so, price. Yeah, I would think so. They need all the help <laughs> they can get. Um, but yeah, so I didn't really see computers as a as a means of income. It was just like a hobby. Uh, then when I was eighteen, I got introduced to like eBay and Amazon. Started selling things online. Uh, realized that I could make a lot more money than um, my college professors, just like selling stuff on eBay, um, making like ten thousand dollars a day and upwards of that. And really realized like, okay, this internet thing. There's uh, there's a future here, but then even then, I didn't see myself as a software developer. I was just like a digital marketer, or just like a hacker, just like somebody that used the computer to make money. Um, and the landscape was a lot different. This is like maybe 2005 um, at that time, and I'm making all this money online, and I'm using technology. But I, I did not see myself as a software engineer. There was no Google headquarters in New York. There was no Twitter headquarters in New York. The landscape was a lot different. Um, and then in 2007, I sold my first company. And I took the proceeds of that. And I created a, a tech startup. And it was a competitor to eBay. The name of the startup was called uh, Abanza. And it was a competitor to eBay. And that's how I really learned uh, to code uh, like more hardcore, more than like just like MySpace layouts or whatever. So I, I ran that company for about two years. Uh, it was kind of like a failed startup. I made a little bit of money from it. But then what I realized was that I could monetize uh, Google AdWords and Google Advertising. So okay. began monetizing with Google Advertising. Um, I had put ads on the original uh, startup's website. And then I started like a blogging network. Um, and again, I was coding, I was creating custom plugins, I was integrating with APIs, I was creating Twitter bots. Um, I used the V1 of Twitter's API and the V1 of YouTube's API. Um, so that's like, again, like trying to date myself as much as possible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, again, but for years, I really only saw myself as like this digital marketer, uh, hacker guy that was like making money and it was more like entrepreneurial at that point in time, I'm just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, let's slap some shit together and uh, <laughs> call it a day. Put a bow on it and put a buy it now button and, like, try to squeeze some money out of the internet. And it really changed my perspective. And, you know, a few years later, started getting into the hackathon scene. Um, you know, prior to that, I built out some, some real-world solutions for some different companies. We had uh, one of the biggest law firms in the country. We did a, a $900,000 deal, close to a million-dollar deal. And I wrote a little bit of code that, that solidified that project and brought it together um, using Twilio's products. And I was able to realize like, oh, wow, if I can write, you know, 20 lines of code and that can seal the deal on a million dollar project, you know, we might be onto something here. You recently had an article in Forbes about making the move to, to Puerto Rico. What was, what was the catalyst to move to Puerto Rico? primarily and, and we, you don't have to rehash the article but kind of, kind of just give us a an update to, to how how that came to be and 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 the roots that you have there in puerto rico definitely so the the name of the article is um why puerto rico is the, is the perfect place for digital nomads if you look i have the palm trees in the background <laughs> like i'm here in puerto rico and i actually wrote the article when i was still in new york and I did that. Um, there's a saying uh, called "burn the ships." If you want to take over the island, you have to burn the ships. 
Um, so I actually wrote the article uh, about a month prior and I submitted it. And there's like a, it takes about maybe three weeks to a month, the review process going back and forth. And I knew that if that article was released and I wasn't in Puerto Rico by that time, I just like wouldn't be able to live with myself. So I'm like, I'm going to write this article and I'm going to write it in the future tense. So I started out and it's like, uh, bye mom, I'm moving to Puerto Rico and here are the 10 reasons why. Um, and I'm writing it as if I'm already here. Uh, so I really did like write it into existence. Um, but to, to backtrack to like, why am I here? Uh, so part of it is a lot of the things I, I mentioned in the article. There's crazy tax incentives. Um, there's, you know, a growing startup culture. It's freaking beautiful. There's history, <laughs> there's cultures, music, so many reasons. Um, but the kind of more personal philanthropic, uh, part of that I actually left out of the article, um, uh, due to like kind of the way their editorial guidelines are. Uh, and that was, uh, Hurricane Maria and some more philanthropic things that we're doing. So when Hurricane Maria first happened, me and a buddy of mine, we got a pallet of water, a pallet of food and supplies, um, dropped it off at a location. And then a few months later, we started hearing reports that they were not distributing all the supplies that, you know, millions of American Puerto Ricans had, had donated. So all this stuff got stuck in the port and it was not being distributed. Um, so me and uh, a good friend of mine, Hugo Sanchez, and... Um, a couple of other friends of mine, we got on a plane and we came over here and we came to do relief efforts and we gave away 300 uh, solar panel lights, food, water supplies. We went city to city, uh, really going to these forgotten cities that didn't have power. Um, at that time, the island was about 50 percent power and the 50 percent that didn't have power. It was really these, uh, you know, lower class, lower middle class um, towns that were really just being completely neglected. Um, so the, you know, the capital and the, you know, the more affluent uh, cities had, had had their power restored. And there were actually like these kind of forgotten cities that didn't have their power restored. So uh, we went all around the island. We went, you know, all the way down um, to uh, Lattice in the middle of the island. We went to uh, up into the mountains in the center of the island. We went to Patilas all the way in the south. We went to Fajardo. Um, we went to, uh, we actually stayed in Luquillo and really like explored and experienced parts of the island that I, that I never had seen. And, you know, I have family from here. I have family in Arecibo, um, but really like explored the island. Like I, I never had before. Um, so we were supposed to be down here for like a week. Um, ended up staying down here close to three weeks and then, uh, we got back and we're like, okay, well, this is like putting a bandaid on bullet wound, you know, okay, great. We gave him like enough water for like a couple of days, maybe a week tops. Um, but how do we create financial stability, um, so that, uh, we can, you know, create economic freedom and upward mobility for the people that live there. So we came up with the concept to teach coding. So I, as I mentioned, when I was 18, the way that I created financial freedom for myself, uh, was by leveraging the power of the internet was coding and digital marketing and, you know, online entrepreneurship. So our concept was at that time to bring coding and bring that technology education over to the island of Puerto Rico. So uh, we decided to start a school. 
name of the school is the Caribbean Institute of Technology. And uh, we teach the, the skills that aren't even taught in the university here. So we teach um, uh, software development, app development, web development, uh, blockchain, uh, AI, artificial intelligence. We teach, uh, you know, digital marketing, uh, digital entrepreneurship, uh, you know, uh, the skills that you need to not only um, get a job, which I think is, is super important, but also to create financial freedom for yourself, right? So teaching coding, but also through the lens of entrepreneurship. So, okay, you're going to learn to code, but are you going to learn to code to work for uh, a huge company, which is which is one option? Or could you create your own company? Could you create a startup? Could you uh, become a freelancer and go on like Upwork? Uh, could you, you know, create some sort of app and monetize the app? So there's all these other ways to create financial freedom for yourself. Um, and one of the problems that we found here is that there are not as many skilled jobs as, as we would like. Because it's mostly focused on the hospitality and tourism industry. What is it on? Yes. So it's uh, the service industry is the second biggest driver of the economy here. And then when the hurricane happened, that uh, part of the economy really got decimated. So now not only do people lose the roof on their homes, but now they lost their jobs because – uh, you know, the hotel industry, the tourism industry, the resorts, mm-hmm. they all have massive layoffs. So how could we create an economy that was not reliant 100% on tourism, that was not reliant 100% on the service and hospitality industry, that had maybe a third leg to the economy um, that was powered by technology and, and innovation? And the internet here is actually really good. Out of all the other Caribbean <laughs> islands, um, compared to Cuba, obviously, but even the Dominican Republic and Jamaica, um, you know, the United States, uh, the Puerto Rico is part of the United States. So their infrastructure is really on par with any other um, American city, especially in the capital. So, you know, right now we're doing this interview via a uh, video chat and it looks crystal yep. clear on my end. Um, I don't know about you, but. Um, no, it's clear. It's clear so, over here, too. I can even I can even hear you. I can't just see. I can hear you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, leveraging that, taking advantage of that. So uh, if if you want, we can link the article in the show notes. Um, oh, definitely, we're, we're definitely going to link the article in the show notes. We'll we'll link put a link to uh, the Caribbean Institute as well, um, and and into your socials and a number of different things because we want to make sure that people can can reach out to you and. And learn more because you'd mentioned to me when we were talking earlier that you've got this this really cool thing going on that I wish I actually I probably will figure out a way to make this happen. I'm not going to say wish. I'm going to figure out a way to make this happen because I would really like to participate in that boot camp that you're talking about. So I'd love to, you know, to kind of share what your drive is behind the boot camp. Um, and then I want to circle back around to another reason that you shared with me about the reason of, of bringing the digital culture to Puerto Rico and, and keeping the uh, intellectual powerhouses on the, on the island. So let's talk about the boot camp first, and then we'll talk about the intellectual powerhouses. Definitely, definitely. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're starting a school. It's called the Caribbean Institute of Technology. And for every single student that we get from the United States um, to come and kind of – we're creating like a vacation – uh, slash education. So a mixture of like a study abroad program uh, and like a corporate retreat. 
So if you're already on the job and you just want to learn a new skill, you come down to Puerto Rico, you learn a new skill, and you go back to your regular job. If you're studying computer science in a university in the States, uh, again, you can take a summer trip and it's almost like a study abroad program. You learn a new skill. Um, you go back and you graduate from your uh, respective university in the States powered up. And so for every single student that we get from the United States to be a part of this program, we sponsor a tuition from, uh, for someone here on the island. So every single resident is uh, eligible for a full scholarship. Then the other thing that you mentioned was the exporting of, of talent, right? So right now, um, you know, I actually reconnected with my family after 20 years. After 20 years, um, I was able to find them after Hurricane Maria. I drove to their homes and reconnected with, like, my cousins, my aunt, uh, uncle, uh, grandmother. Um, and I found out that my cousin that I used to play with when I was a little kid actually moved to Texas. He graduated from the university here. And for the jobs that he studied for, they're not available here. So he actually had to move to the States and he's living in Texas right now. And right now we're exporting our biggest value, which is our talent. The smartest people that go to the university here, um, you know, I talk to them uh, all the time. We went to a hackathon the second day we were here on this trip and they're saying, oh, okay, I can't wait till I get off the island. I can't wait until I graduate and I save up enough money and then I'm out of here. I'm off, the, off this place. So rather than exporting our biggest talent, we want to start exporting ideas. So, so what do you think, right now there's actually a. What, what, what do you what do you yeah. think what do you think's driving them to want to leave versus trying to figure out how to build something? Well, what do you what do you what's your your perspective on on move versus build? Well, there's, there's a, a lot of different factors there. Um, there's a term that is used here uh, called the colonial mindset, where there, there is um, a little bit of a mindset shift as opposed to New York and other major cities. So, you know, there there isn't a, a huge entrepreneurial culture. There is, but it, it's it's a little bit different. You know, um, it's, it's definitely much more conservative here, uh, both the politics and, and the culture. And, you know, while there is a lot of entrepreneurship, it's more focused around like brick and mortar retail. So there's tons of cool stores and shops and lounges and bars and events. And there, there is um, entrepreneurship here, um, but it's really focused around like tourism. It's around that service industry. And there's not that global mindset, that digital nomad, uh, nomadic mindset. Um, that is changing and we're uh working to be one of many forces that are helping that to change. Um, there's a huge cryptocurrency community out here. So there's a law called Act 20 and Act 22, which allows you as an individual to have 0% capital gains. So that means any money that you generate from cryptocurrency or the traditional stock market is not taxed at all if you live here. So there's a huge cryptocurrency community that's out here. They're helping to foster and bring in new ideas. There are tons of really cool people that are, live here and are from here, but are watching YouTube and they're paying attention to kind of this global economy and they're starting to have that global mindset. Um, and then there's also tons of organizations that I think pretty much over the last five years have sprung up to begin building this digital economy. So uh, Sophia Stolberg from Pelotos 151, she started the first co-working space five years ago. 
since then they've opened up a second location and there's a third location opening up next uh month in the financial district so that's uh three really big co-working spaces they do a ton of events they do google for entrepreneurship events startup grinds um and all sorts of other like uh events they have women in tech empowerment events um they started coding workshops called code trotters uh so they're, they're making really big strides over the last five years uh there's also a accelerator program called p18 and uh p18 gives startups a forty thousand dollar grant and then if they like what you do with the first forty thousand they can give you an additional hundred thousand so there is a startup culture that's beginning to grow um but we need more players into in the space and more new ideas to get imported wow it's it's uh it's that that definitely is a, a big change for for the island trying to make going from the service base the things that they know that they see have been working and taking the stuff that that's traditionally been done in the mainland and bringing it to the island that's a, that's neat to see that transition happen yeah absolutely and i mean we need to be creating those things right so act 20 the tax law that i that i mentioned um there there's two parts of it there's act 20 and act 22 uh, Act 22 is for individuals, 0% capital gains. Act 20 is for service-based industries. So if you're exporting services from Puerto Rico to the United States and abroad, you have a 4% flat tax, zero federal tax. There's no other tax um, that you're being subject to except a 4% uh, tax that goes to Puerto Rico. So it's incentivizing app companies um digital agencies to really run their operations from here and there's tons of talent there's tons of people who are who are ready and willing to really get into this industry um so you, you know me my company uh is disrupt uh we have a few facets of that and one of them is a digital consultancy so uh, where on the one hand we're running these coding boot camps we're educating and we're training uh, people to get these jobs, we really see uh, the Disrupt Consultancy arm being able to give internships and giving um, additional training through uh, employment to these kids after they graduate. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you and I have been talking also about uh, a way that you're trying to take the technology out to the the more rural and the more um less less accessible areas uh, could, could you kind of share it with everybody what what, what you're doing in that area so I, I found that really really interesting because myself uh growing up in a rural area in the midwest um, i could kind of kind of get the feeling because it always felt like we were the last ones to get cable tv we were the last ones to get internet <laughs> Um, I mean, heck, I even remember that my grandparents' farm phone was on a party line. So everybody was on the exact same line. When you picked up the phone, everybody was on the same line. It was like everybody shared the same line. So so understanding <laughs> what it's like to come from, from you know, being the last people to get the technology, um, you, you have a really interesting program that you're working on right now, and I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, definitely. So um, we partnered up with a nonprofit. It's called Libraries Without Borders. And um, essentially, it's a uh, digital, it's the internet in a box. So it's like this digital library in a box. It's about the size of uh, 
little bit smaller than a than a shoebox, and uh, it contains a Raspberry Pi, uh, a really huge like multiple terabyte hard drive, um, and really all of the world's information. So it has every single Wikipedia article on it. It has um, you know financial literacy, um, language literacy, like kids can learn English from this box. Um, you know, social sciences, history, all of the basics. And then in addition to that, we're having disrupt curriculum to teach kids coding, blockchain, how to make apps, um, AI, all, all of the curriculum that we offer to the world um, at a price we're including in the box absolutely free and we're bringing it out to these remote areas. So these areas that may or may not have reliable internet, may or may not have um, the best resources. Uh, we have eight cities all across the island in, in these more rural areas where we're going to be dropping off these boxes. And it basically creates um, like a library on wheels. Um, so picture you have this box and then depending on the infrastructure that's there, um, we're also going to have like a, like a mobile, uh, internet cafe, if you will. So if you had your own laptop or your own phone, you can connect with Wi-Fi to this box and that's regardless and independent of, of internet. So when the internet goes down, you know, you have access to that or, um, you, you know, they'll have at least five or 10, uh, Chromebooks where you'll be able to log on and, and access the content. Um, and then we're going on a city by city tour to actually teach, uh, one designated, almost like a manager, each one teach one, um, person in the city so that they can learn, uh, a small amount of coding and then be able to teach the curriculum that's inside of the box. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, that was, it was something that you brought up that, that really, really struck a chord with me and, and understanding how important it is to, to extend the reach of the technology. Um, not everybody gets access to it, so that's great. Uh, so, so Anthony, I want I want to move into something a little bit different. Get a little bit out of the technology. I, I may I may go a little bit of analog on you here real quick, but uh, you know, if you were to choose a a book that has really made a difference in the way you see life or you do things, what book would that be and why? Love that. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of books. Um, I feel like it's, it's distilled knowledge, right? So you get like someone's, their life's work um, and all of their, their years of experience and you just distill it into um you know, a few pages that you could read in a, in a few days. Um, so I have two. First one's really short. So uh, <laughs> if they get past the first one, then they can jump into the second one. Um, so the first one is The Four Agreements. Um, the Four Agreements is it's almost like the Ten Commandments of the Aztec Indians, I believe. The, don't quote me on which Indian tribe. I think it was the Aztecs. And it's really four simple rules to live your life. My favorite one, I'll give you my favorite All right, we'll my go favorite, favorite rule is, is, is don't take anything personally, right? When we're interacting in the world, it's so easy to take everything that happens, everything that someone says to you, everything that someone else does and make it about you. And it's a really ego-driven, miserable way to live your life. And it's human nature. We all do it. 
a girl a girl gives you a high five, oh, does she like me? A girl doesn't answer a text message right away, oh, does she hate me, right? A guy, yeah. uh, you know, the same thing for a guy and a girl, right? Like, we're always taking things personally. We're always reading into things. But what you have to realize is that every word that comes out of someone else's mouth is always about them. It's always about you. When I, when I coach people, when I give them advice, I'm giving advice to myself. I'm literally giving advice to a mirror through the, my lens of my preconceived notions. So don't take anything personally. And there's three other really good gems in that book, The Four Agreements. So that's like your first four rules to live your life. And then if you had, if, if you dive into that, it's a really short book. Pick that one up. It's one of my favorites. The 48, I love that book too. It's one of your favorites. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I saw the look in your eyes and I was like, you could probably name the other three like that. <laughs> uh, and, and I see like the, the statue in the background, right? Um, and then the second one is much thicker and it's the 48 Laws of Power um, by Robert Greene. This goes into history um, and all these powerful people in history and their rises and their falls and, you know, it goes into Shakespeare and, uh, the gladiators and Roman empire and all these really great, um, tales in history. And it shows, um, laws or rules that people use to, to rise to power. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so, you know, you, you talked about the four agreements and something to live by. Um, what, what behavior, belief, or habit have you changed in, say, the last two to three years that has completely changed the way that you live your life? The big mind shift change that I've had recently, and I've done a couple of programs and been to a few seminars that have reinforced it in different ways, is really just realizing that I'm the author of my own life and that I have the right and the God-given duty to ask for and put into existence anything that I want in the world. So I'll give you an example. Again, talking about the hackathon, um, my friend was approaching Porsche for a uh, sponsorship. And I was like, great, ask them to donate a car. They're Porsche. <laughs> I can't. Like, no, no, that's too much. <laughs> I was we can't ask that for reaction, that. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, no, don't. Oh, that's too much. They would never... I'm like, what do you mean they would never? That's for them. That's like if I'm Poland Spring and I give you water, that's what they make. They make cars. Just ask them for a car. What are they going to say? No. Ask them for a car and ask them seriously. And, you know, the worst thing that they're going to say is, you know what? We can't give you a car, but we'll have a car parked there in the front. Right. Or, right. hey, we can't give you a car, but we'll loan it to you for a week and you can drive it. Whoever. But, like, have – don't bite your tongue. Have – uh, you know, you don't need permission. Take what you want in life. If you, if your intentions are pure and you have a goal that you want, then freaking ask for it and don't ask for permission. Um, I have a friend of mine who's interviewing at Google. The same thing. He like was going back and forth with them via email, and they didn't send the calendar invite. And he's like, "Oh, I don't know. They didn't send the invite. I think they forgot." Da, da, da. Like it's Google. Send them the invite. You know, like send yeah. them the invite and call them and email them and say, hey, we have a one o'clock call. Where are you? You know, um, <laughs> well, so, you're, you know, you're, really like not not um, asking permission for self. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're actually moving into the next thing. Um, and, and I don't want to lose the momentum here. So um, no, the, the, the next piece that I always like to, to ask um, and you can't cheat now because you've already given me two. So you can't cheat in this. Is it? <laughs> 
what what could somebody do? Give me just one one more thing. What can somebody do today to get them that one step closer to that successful life or to that life of being a digital nomad or to to, to taking and changing the direction in their life? I mean, everything that you're doing right now is really helping people change their future. So what's one thing that somebody can do today to change their future? Take responsibility for your life and stop complaining. It's not anyone else's fault. It's not anyone else's responsibility. I grew up in a very urban environment. I have I was at gunpoint when I was a teenager. I have friends who were killed. I have other friends who were responsible for their deaths and are now doing 20 years in jail. I have friends who committed suicide. None of that is an excuse for me to not execute. People, everybody has their thing. Whatever your thing is, it's never going to be as big to you as it is to the world. And nobody freaking cares. Okay? Take (laughs) responsibility for your life. It is your job to execute on your dreams. So just go after them and take responsibility for yourself. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So one last question before we close out for today um, is when you start to feel overwhelmed or you're losing focus, what is it that you do to calm yourself down and to regain that focus? What is, what is something that you do that everybody else can use as well to, to help them get refocused on what's important to them. Well, I mean, this is kind of cheap. You got to move to Puerto Rico for this, but <laughs> like, I like to go in the ocean. <laughs> My apartment's three blocks away from the ocean. So for the past month, like I get stressed out and I go into the ocean, the ocean's much bigger than me. So I'm like in this thing that's bigger than myself. Um, I think really just hacking your state. Like even before I came here, um, we went down the shore and they have all these like rides, carnival rides. And like, I went on all three of the biggest, most scariest things that like cost the most money to do. Right. And like, so I went on this one uh, thing where they put you on a string and they drop you and you float over the ocean on a string. And then I did another thing where they flip you around on a, on a stick and you're freaking a million miles up into the air, right? So really just hacking your state with whatever's around you. So for me, now it's the ocean. I go and I just jump in the ocean. Um, I like waking up at like 6 a.m. some days and just jumping in the ocean and, um, you know, going on a car. Like just really hack your state. Realize that um, your feelings are not you, right? We think our feelings are ourselves. Oh, I feel tired. Oh, I shouldn't work. No, if you have something to do, you have to do it. So it's like, realize that your feelings are not you. You're an animal that has certain feelings. And then realize that there are ways to hack those. Is it caffeine? It might be. Is it doing 10 jumping jacks? It might be. Is it going to the gym? It might be. Is it meditating? It might be. Um, If you want to get into meditation, I listened to the 15-minute guided meditation from the founder of Mind Valley. Really, really good, good stuff for beginners. It's guided meditation. Um, But yeah, just hack yourself, man. Your body is an operating system. Your feelings are not you. They're they're emotional responses. You know, I I love talking about fear. I have like a little rant on YouTube about fear. Um, (laughs) Fear is an emotion that comes from the animal part of your body when you were living in a jungle and there were tigers. So like, and your life was in danger. 
So if you have fear and it's around something where your life is in, in danger, you're scared to talk to a girl, you're scared of a business proposal, you're scared of a business meeting, you're scared to ask for a raise, that's a false flag. That's a misfire. That's because you have old hardware that's wired for the jungle and you're not in the fucking jungle anymore. So anytime you're scared of something and you're, you're not in direct physical arm, realize that that's not you. It's not intelligent thinking and just freaking snap out of it and jump into it. Awesome. No, that is, that is perfect. That is perfect. So before we close out, uh, let's, let's talk about the best place to get a hold of you. And let's, let's share with everybody. Where, where's the best place to get a hold of Anthony and to learn everything about Anthony other than the show notes, they're going to be down below, but other than the show notes, what is the best place to get a hold of Anthony and, and to find out what's going on there in Puerto Rico with you and all the entrepreneurs that have, have uh, inserted in inhabiting that island? Absolutely. So a couple of different places. Uh, we have the Disrupt Podcast. You can find that on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Uh, we have uh, Disrupt.Digital is our blog. Disrupt.University uh, is our online courses. Uh, we have Caribbean.Institute is the in-person. If you want to come to the Caribbean and take a course, you can go there. As far as my personal, uh, you can go to AnthonyDelgado.me. You can send me an email at me at AnthonyDelgado.me, or you can look me up on Instagram uh, with the same handle, Anthony Delgado. That day. Awesome. Well, Anthony, I really appreciate the time today. Um, really love diving into everything you're doing for that island. I love it. I haven't been back in a while, and I was just talking to my wife. I got to make a trip back out there. You and a handful of other guys have been egging me on. So I have a feeling it's going to happen a lot sooner than later. Um, and and it's super proud of of what you you're bringing to that island. I know they need it desperately, and. Uh, I'm glad that they have people like you that are being uh, great uh, servant leaders like that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being on the season one of the show. And uh, yeah, man, I can't wait. You have a friend on the island now. And that goes for <laughs> all of your viewers too. Look me up when you get to Puerto Rico and uh, and I'll be your tour guide. All right. We may, we may have to go for a swim first thing in the morning when I get there. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Uh, thank you. If you like the way this episode looked and sounded, you too can get the same experience. The Modi app is available for download on Apple iTunes. Go to modiapp.com, M-O-T-I-A-P-P.com to download it now. That's it for this episode of the Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on the Ted Huff Show.